Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. some things just don't go together. They just don't fit. I've talked to you about that a couple weeks uh, in a row now. I've said to you that some of these things I learned about in school and some from just observation. Let me see if I can mention some of these and see if you would agree. Uh, This doesn't go well together. Meat mentioned in the name of a pie does not go well together. My dad likes mince meat pie. Get thee behind me, Satan. I, 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 you know, if I'm going to eat meat, I want it like by itself. Meat in the name of pie. How about this? I learned this one. This is a personal revelation. Big dogs and paper routes just don't go well together. They just don't fit. Yeah, some of y'all don't know my pain. Uh, a swimming pool and regular diapers. Enough said. Uh, wedding rings and toilets. That's a word, man. I didn't even have that in my notes. That was just him. Y'all, y'all talk to Tar. You just feel his pain. Yeah, um, good preaching right there, man. Insight, word of wisdom right there. Uh, <laughs> don't shake Tari's hand this morning or ever again, ever again. Sorry, Tari. Sorry, love you, man. I love you. One of these days you'll have the mic and I'll be in trouble. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, uh, children and cancer. Doesn't go well together. Uh, a Christian and cynicism. If you've ever found a Christian that is cynical, you realize that this doesn't go well. Uh, vulgarity out of the same mouth that worships just doesn't fit. And then at least in the modern church, we've been talking about this. For whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to go well that the modern church talks about money. And yet I've talked to you about the fact that uh, Jesus talked more about money than anything else. We talked about the fact that most of you sitting in this room are stressing out at this very moment. Some of you in your mind while I'm preaching, you're calculating, am I going to be able to make ends meet this week? How am I going to pay the bills? They're going to come after my stuff. It's, it, it stresses us out, but we don't like the church to talk about money. And so what we've done is I've helped you out. I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about other people's money. All right, so I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor. So just relax. Everybody take a real deep breath. Come on. Don't blow it out because some of y'all got bad breath. Just kind of turn your head and blow it out. There you go. Y'all know how how you're supposed to do that, right? Uh, Just relax. I'm not even talking to you. I'm talking to the person sitting next to you. Come on, tell the person next to you, listen, because he's talking to you. Come on, tell him, tell him. See, now you can relax. You can relax. You can relax. Take good notes because they may miss something. You need to preach to them out in the parking lot. Uh, William Shakespeare would have never imagined what life would be like today, but I think in the first couple of lines in in his uh, writing of Richard III, he may have coined a phrase that best describes most of the people sitting next to you. When he said, it's now the winter of our discontent. Except I think maybe we could go one step further because what I would suggest to you is that we're not in the winter of discontent, we're in the season Most of our neighbors are trapped in a season of discontent. They're not satisfied. In fact, I would say that's probably the hallmark of this generation. We are a generation 
Uh, it doesn't really matter how old you are now because uh, we've all been inundated with, the, with uh, television and commercials that do this to us. This would probably be true for every generation sitting under the sound of my voice right now. We are a generation of upgrades. We are never satisfied unless we have the upgrade. That's why people with perfectly working phones will go stand in line for hours for a phone that has very little new stuff on it. It's just an upgrade. So they make your old phone's battery die faster than it's supposed to. So you'll go stand in the line. Y'all don't think that ain't on purpose. My phone's like dying in 20 minutes now because they want me to go upgrade, right? Uh, that, that's why when you pull through the drive-thru and you've already got like a 62-ounce Coke, they will ask you, would you like to upgrade and get the like 98-ounce Coke? Oh, yeah, for 20 cents more, give me that. Man, you can't even drink the one you got and we will upgrade. Okay, I'm, I'm meddling now. Okay, so so... So we, we want to upgrade. So it's this, this sense of discontent. Uh, Money Magazine did a survey not too long ago that just blows my mind. I think it proves that our society is captured by discontent. Here it is. Money Magazine asked the readers. Check this out now. This blows my mind. They asked the readers, how much liquid assets do you need to feel rich? How much, how much liquid assets, how much money in the bank do you need to feel rich? Do you know what the answer was? Five million dollars. There you go with that. Yeah, that's right. Now think about that a moment. That means when you're asked how much money do you need to feel rich right now, that means they bypassed one million and two million Anybody want to stop right there? Three million. I, man, I volunteer for that level. Uh, Four million dollars. I'm still not satisfied. Four and a half million. No, it would take five million dollars for me to feel rich. Shoot. Uh, we're discontent. We never seem to have enough. Well, Jesus tells a parable that I believe exposes this tendency to always want more. Join me, if you will, in John chapter 12. We're going to read out of verses 15 through 21. It's an interesting passage of Scripture. You know this passage of Scripture, but, but just listen fresh and new. Here it is. Beware. This is Jesus talking. Beware. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have. Amen. You're dismissed. That was enough right there, wasn't it? Okay. For real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. Then he gave an illustration. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. In fact, his barns were full to overflowing. He couldn't get everything in. He thought about his first world problem. I inserted the word first world, two words there, because that's us. That is us. We, we need more garages Never mind. Okay. He thought about his problem and finally exclaimed, I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room. And I'll sit back and say to myself, friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Wine, women, and song for you. But God said to him, fool, tonight you die. Then who will get it all? Yes, every man is a fool who gets rich on earth, but not in heaven. Discontent. This parable, this story, if you will, reveals the heart of a discontent 
man. He has barns that are already overflowing to the degree that he has so much that he couldn't even hold the blessing that he was already experiencing. And so his barns are so crammed full that when the crop comes in this year, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But he apparently didn't think he had enough because when he's faced with an opportunity, check this out now, he's faced with an opportunity to enjoy what he already has and to bless others with more that was coming his way. He tries to upgrade his barns because he's never satisfied. Read in between the lines. There's this, this, this spirit of discontent that's grabbed his heart. So now there's this appetite for the new, the appetite for the better, the appetite for the increase. And there's never in this moment in his life where he's filled up to full, where he's satisfied. And I would say to you this morning that one of the issues that your neighbor has is that they're never content with what they have. Never. The Hebrew writer confronts this issue head on. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't back down from it. He, he, he doesn't water it down. He declares that it's an internal struggle that we have that we must fight. He says it like this in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Listen to what he says. I'm going to read it out of several versions. He said, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Another version. Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have. Since God has assured us, I will never let you down. I will never walk off and leave you. We can boldly quote, God is there ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what, who or what can get to me. Another version. Stay away from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never, never fail you nor forsake you. That is why we can say without any doubt or fear, the Lord is my helper and I am not afraid of anything that mere man can do to me. We must come to this place where we become satisfied with what we have. Touch your neighbor say, relax. Relax. Well, how can we come to a place of contentment? The Hebrew writer says that we come to a place of contentment where when we recognize that God is for us and with us. Okay, it got a little confusing there, I see. I just wonder if maybe the reason that we're so discontent is that we are really, not us, our neighbor, is really saying without actually saying it that God isn't enough. So what I need is I need more of all this stuff I can see because what I really want is a substitute for what I can't see. There is a void inside of us. You know that, right? You recognize that when Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, that, the, that, that inside of us there is one man phrased like this, there's a God-sized hole. The problem is, is we're so discontent and we're so unwilling to rely on what Hebrews said that God is with us that we're trying to fill that God-sized hole with houses and cars and clothes and goods and it never works because only He can satisfy. And so when we become discontent, what we're literally saying is, God, you're not enough. You promised me you'll be with me forever and you'll never forsake me, but you're not enough. I need a Corvette. Badly. I need, I, I've got a 2,000 square foot house. What I really need is a 2,200 square foot house because I just don't have enough rooms because I got all my stuff in my rooms. 
And so God, we'll even do this. This is how messed up we are in our thinking. We'll even say, God, I will love you more if you satisfy my need for more. And it never ends. It never ends. Here's the danger. The Jesus and the writer of Hebrews knew that if our neighbor isn't careful, their lives would be consumed with discontentment and they would be driven to the brink of destruction in the pursuit of more. In other words, we have become very content with discontentment. We don't even know what's happening. We, 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 we become content with it. There are some dangers I just need to help you with this morning. Being discontent is, is deadly because, number one, it causes your neighbor to mortgage their tomorrow for today. If your neighbor is discontent, they will make purchases and decisions today that will placate for the moment or satisfy the moment for satisfaction, but it will bankrupt their future. I heard yesterday on the news that the average American has please don't raise your hand, has $16,000 worth of debt on credit cards at, at an average of 17% interest because we need stuff today that we're not willing to wait for tomorrow. And in fact, we bankrupt our tomorrow so that we can feel good about ourselves today. They'll come and get the money. Don't worry. This is not a loan like, like oh, I don't, it's, not, it's not a gift to you. Oh, you don't worry about it. Listen, bank, if, the, if, the, if the stock market crashes, stock market crashes tomorrow and they need it, they will come and get it. But for momentary satisfaction. May I submit to you that you're, one of your neighbor's biggest issues is that we have lost as, as a way of life and an understanding of this concept, delayed gratification. We don't want to wait on nothing. I don't want to wait like past 30 seconds for my popcorn. I, I don't want to wait. I get impatient. We went to an establishment yesterday, drove through the drive-thru, and it took them like more than 30 seconds to get their food, and I wanted to honk the car horn, but I couldn't because it says Passion Church on the back of my vehicle, and I knew... We want it now, even if we can't afford it, and even if we don't need it. That's why young couples are struggling is because they're trying to get everything that their parents have that took them 40 years to get. We want to be like 22 years old and have it all now. And we bankrupt our tomorrow today. I'm preaching this morning. We become bound in the future. So we buy now and we pay big time later and we've called that buyer's remorse. Ever experienced buyer's remorse this week? Yeah, I saw that hand. Yeah. You know, we call it buyer's remorse, but what it really is is it's just the fruit of discontentment playing out in our life because we couldn't discern between need and want. And so we're dissatisfied. Unless your neighbor can learn to be content with what they have now, they are doomed to live a life of debt 
and stressed out and unhappy and constantly trying to fill a void in their life that will never be filled with stuff. So here's your assignment. This is an extremely difficult assignment. You can pull this off. I need you to touch your neighbor right now and get them to say this. Now, I know what they're going to do. They're going to say it because you ask them to say it, but they're not going to mean it. So I need you to ask them until they can say it, until you look them square in the eye and you are convinced that they're saying it like they actually mean it. You see the, I mean, you might have to ask them ten times. I'm going to give you time. You might have to ask them, oh, oh, you're lying to me. You're lying to me. Come on now, say this, come on. And until you see the switch and they get it where it's down in them, ask them to say this, I have enough. Come on, come on, get them. See, see, some of you won't even repeat. Some of you won't even say it. And some of y'all need to ask again because they're lying. I can see it on them right now. They're thinking about the new pair of shoes they need tomorrow, and they got like 96 in their closet right now. This contentment causes us to say we never have enough. Do you, re- do you realize, man, I'm trying to be careful. Do you recognize that for many of us, if we never got anything else, what we've got is enough? If you never get another house, what the house you've got is enough. The car you have now is enough. I'm not against cars. I'll sell you mine right now because if the transmission goes out, it costs $6,500 to repair. I'll sell my car to you right now if you want it. But I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not against cars. I'm just saying. It's a car. It gets us from point A to point B. The new car that you can't afford. If you can afford it, go get it. We'll talk more about that in a couple weeks. But if you can't afford it, it just gets you from point A to point B. Okay. <laughs> Shoot, that didn't go well. All right. We never get enough. The second reason that discontentment is so deadly is that, here it is, it it causes your neighbor to contract destination disease. Let me help you. Max Lucado names this disease the what-ifs and the howls. What if and how will I? Said another way, it's the when and then thinking. We despise today's moments. We forget to take care of today's responsibilities and tasks. Today becomes mundane. Today is unglamorous. Today's behind the scenes are totally ignored because we're waiting for someday and one day. And we get so locked into tomorrow and into our future that today's opportunities and today's blessings, because you're blessed, And today's joy and today's journey and today's chances and today's obligations are forfeited because we're waiting for something out there. I read this quote. I don't read a lot of quotes to y'all, but this one's powerful. This guy says this. He said, our continual mistake is that we do not concentrate upon the present day, the actual hour of our life. We live in the past or in the future and we are continually expecting the coming of some special hour when our life shall unfold itself in full significance and we do not observe that life is flowing like water through our fingers, sifting like a precious grain from a loosely fashioned bag. We're all wanting tomorrow. If I could just get this, my tomorrow. 
When we're discontent and unsatisfied, what happens is we, our neighbor fails to take accurate stock or appraisal of where they are currently. So this is what happens. There's this elusive more out there. Y'all know the carrot on the stick? That thing you continually reach for and can't quite ever get? If I could just get the promotion tomorrow, I, I can't, I'm so discontent and so hoping for promotion tomorrow that I can't even enjoy my job right now. If I could just get this relationship out there, I'd be satisfied. You can't even enjoy the one you're in right now. Okay. If we're not careful, we wake up and life has passed us by and what we longed for we actually had or what we longed for wouldn't have satisfied anyway. 2 Corinthians, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. Listen, he's listing what these lessons that he's learned through their travels, through being beaten and shipwrecked and, and hurt and despised and all that. And he comes down to this statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, where he, he says this. And, and in the King James, it doesn't make much sense, so I'm going to read it to you out of the message as well. Let me start in the King James. He says, as sorrowful, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. In the Message Bible, living on handout, handouts, yet enriching many, having nothing, having it all. He's literally saying, I've learned to grow content in any situation and any station in life. Whether I have everything or I have nothing, I'm so content with my life right now that I don't throw it all away hoping for something different tomorrow and I fail to even recognize that God's got his hand on me today. Well, the first ever billionaire in America and perhaps still the wealthiest family in America is sick with destination disease. When interviewed way back in the early days of our country's history, John Rockefeller was a billionaire back then and was asked this question, how much more money do you need? You know what he said? Just a little bit more. He was sick. He had a disease. He couldn't even enjoy what he had now. If you're sick with destination disease, you will never be able to say enough is enough. So ask your neighbor, are you enjoying today? Come on, ask them. Now ask them if they're sick. Because some of them got destination disease. I'm almost done. Listen, Randy Alcorn asked it like this. He says, what do you believe will really bring us happiness? Listen to what he says. The daily choices we make, how we spend our time and our money, reveals the answer. Y'all missed it. You hear what he just said? What do you think is going to make you happy? We can tell what you think is going to make you happy by how you spend your money and your time. See, here's the dilemma. We see the primary task of life is financial survival. And then kingdom work is an add-on. Here's the dilemma. Jesus saw our life exactly opposite. That's why in Luke chapter 12, verse 31, you know this passage of Scripture, Seek ye first. Y'all remember that one? Yeah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So what he's saying is this. He will always give you what you need from day to day if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. 
So now, let me fix this before I quit. To make sure you're not confused, dazed and confused. Being content does not give you permission to be lazy. Jesus completely and entirely dispels that concept when he tells the parable of the talents. So we're not saying just sit around and do nothing. You should be busy in life, but you should balance that busyness with contentment and make sure that you're spending your time and your money and your life on what really matters. To be content, here it is. I'm going to bring it down to a nutshell. There are two things you need to know. They're not in your notes, so you can write them down if you want to. To be content, you must have and learn to gain this gift called discernment where you discern between needs and wants. Because we say we need when most of the time we want. That's why now when I go to Starbucks, I did this one time and the Holy Spirit corrected me and I went through the drive-thru and they said, can I help you? I said, I need a white chocolate mocha with three pumps well stirred. And the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, no you don't. You want. I literally had to back my car up because there was nobody behind me and say, excuse me, can I redo my order? Yes, I need to change. I did this, I promise you. I rolled backwards and said, I need to change. I want a white chocolate mocha with three pumps, well stirred, thank you very much. Because I couldn't discern. Y'all laugh at my mistake, but what is it that you keep saying that you need that you really only want. Like if you've got a 64 inch TV. Do you really need 84 inches? Come on now. How big. How bad are your eyes? How far away do you actually need to see the screen? Come on now. Let's be honest. That's, that's learning to be content. I'm not against an 84 inch TV. If you want to buy me one. I'll find room for it. But I'm just saying. Let's be honest about the thing. And then I need to tell you this. I am entirely tired of your neighbor being so discontent that they're losing their marriage and their kids and their health and their joy and their focus and their call on their life in pursuit of more stuff. And here's another truth. This is the second one. Lack of contentment reveals lack of thankfulness. Because if God has blessed you with certain things in your life, because everything good comes from heaven above. So if you've got what you consider a blessing, it came from Him. I don't care how hard you work, it is a payoff from Him. He is, he is blessing you. He's, playing it, he's paying it forward to you. So you can't claim that it was by the work of your own hand. I don't care how many hours you work. Because everything, every good gift comes from the Father above. And so if the, the gift comes down to you and then you're dissatisfied with the blessing... You're unthankful. Discontentment will destroy your neighbor's life because I'm, I'm learning as I'm getting older. I, I recognize now. I'm, I'm almost done. I, I promise I'm going to close after this statement because this is going to make your neighbor very uncomfortable. I've learned as I've walked through this life that it starts with discontentment about stuff and then it becomes discontentment with people. And you might survive being discontent with stuff for a while. 
But if you become discontent with people, it can rip your marriage apart and it can cause you to forfeit the joy you have with your own children because you wish they were like somebody else's kids. It'll rip you out of a church family because I'm discontent with this one and if I could just get to this other one, then you get over there and discover they had the same problems because you brought them with you. Okay, I better stop. Father, this morning, help us. Help me. Help my friends in this congregation, these people that we worship with week after week. Help us, God. We want to be content. I, 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 God, you know my heart. I don't want us to be lazy. I don't want us to be lazy. But I do want us to be content. Father, I pray that we would be able to differentiate between needs and wants in this church and in our lives. God, we are so thankful for the blessings that you bring into our life. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my car. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful, God, you've blessed us. You've blessed us. But the truth is, is none of those things satisfy when it comes to my relationship with you. They're not a substitute. So, Father, if there's one in this house this morning that is discontent, that has come to this place where their needs where their wants have overtaken their needs and there's confusion between the two. I pray that this morning we would learn a lesson from this man who had so much he couldn't even contain it. I pray that we would learn that we need to be rich in heaven and being rich on earth is never a great substitute. And I pray this morning that you would allow us to become very content and thankful thankful and thankful. Father, if there's one in this room that is throwing their family away in the pursuit of more stuff, if there's one that's if there's a dad that is missing out on time with their kids because they're pursuing stuff, if there's a mom that's missing an opportunity with her children because of needing more stuff, wanting more stuff, I pray that you would arrest us in our spirit and let us be thankful and relaxed with what we already have. Now, Father, I do not underestimate this fact. There are folks in this room that do have needs. I pray that you would meet every need. We can rest and trust and count on you because your word declared in Hebrews that you would never leave us, never forsake us. And so, Father, for those that, that individual under the sound of my voice this morning that is struggling that does have a legitimate need, I pray that you would bring abundantly more than they've ever thought, imagined, or even asked for. We trust you this morning that you can accomplish that. Thank you for your blessings in our life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Touch your neighbor, look at him. Come on, get them to say it one more time so it's like saying, I have enough. Come on. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.